Welcome to the Eccles Business Buzz Podcast, connecting you to the David Eccles School of Business Alumni Network, one episode at a time. Today, we are joined by our beloved Dean, Taylor Randall. Welcome to the podcast, Dean Randall. Lancia, I am thrilled to be here today. We are so excited to be kicking off the new podcast with you and talking about empathy. Thanks for inviting me, and I get to talk about one of my favorite subjects. You've been the dean of the Eccles School since 2009. Yeah, spring of 2009, we transitioned from uh, Jack Britton, who had been a transformational leader at the school. I took over uh, in the spring of that year. So most of our listeners will probably know a little bit about you just from being at the school through their interactions as either students or alumni. But for those who might not, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I guess history can get boring and repetitious, but just let me say I am the most enthusiastic University of Utah fan that you will ever find. I grew up in and around the university. My grandfather was a professor here. My father was a professor here. The families had season basketball tickets for 80 years, football tickets for the same amount of time. So we just love the University of Utah. I was an undergraduate student here and graduated in accounting, worked for a while, and then did some graduate degrees at the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania and was just thrilled when the school offered me a job when I graduated in 1999. I spent uh, 10 years as a professor working my way through the academic ranks and had been an associate dean for programs the year before I became the dean. Wow. So you are a Utah man through and through. I am. I love this place. How have you seen the Eccles and the University of Utah community as a whole change over the years? You know, I think that is what draws people to this institution is it is constantly changing. It is like the state of Utah, entrepreneurial in nature. People have a lot of freedom to try the things that they want to try to pursue new ideas. And I think it's just a continuously evolving both culture and organization that makes it exciting to be here. I 100% agree. Let's just jump back a little bit, if you don't mind, to your first week as dean. What was that like? Oh, my goodness. That was both the longest and shortest week of my life. I think when you take over a position like this, you don't realize the responsibilities and weight that your predecessor has has shouldered. Jack made this seem like such an easy job. And within a week, as Jack, I think humorously did, he quickly shifted his calendar to mine. And I remember sitting in a meeting one day and it was as if my phone had hit the jackpot. There were just notifications going off constantly. And I think I I realized at that moment that life was about to change in a serious way. I think after day one, I realized I needed to spend a lot of time listening to people and understanding the way that the organization worked, but even more importantly, how others understood the way the organization worked. Because even though I had been an associate dean involved in leadership for about a year, there were many nuances and I would say many relationships that I needed to understand before becoming an effective leader. You mentioned listening, and I think listening is a huge part of empathy. What does empathy mean to you? The concept of empathy came out of a book that all of us read as a leadership team. It was called Hit Refresh. It's a book that was written by Satya Nadella, who's the CEO of Microsoft. And the reason we looked at the book is that Satya took over Microsoft, an organization that I guess is relatively new, but it was really kind of, I guess, stuck 
in a way of doing things quite well, but it needed to change. And he recognized that up front. And so really Hit Refresh was about change, was about taking a fresh new look at the world. For Microsoft, they were looking at cloud computing and all of the things that the world was evolving to. They were seeing the success of Amazon and and many other organizations that were beating them to the punch. But as Satya began to realize he needed to create change, he also saw that uh, the only way you created change was to motivate individuals by showing empathy to their position and where they were. And so I think that in large part is how this concept of empathy is part of one of our values. If you think about it, change can be very hard on individuals. But if you focus on change and empathy at the same time, I think you can come up with some successful outcomes where you get individuals that will change as well as the organization. And that's part of what we're trying to do. That's fantastic. I read that book and would highly recommend it. It's a great read. (laughs) Yeah, I'd recommend it. We enjoyed it. So what other books are you reading right now? Oh, I tend to read a lot of history. I recently read Eric Larson's new book called The Splendid and the Vile. It's about Winston Churchill, his first year as prime minister. You want a miserable first year in leadership? How about having your country bomb day and night and having to lead through that? It was an interesting read. Interesting. What lessons did you learn from that first year of leading the Eccles School through an economic crisis that have helped you since the onset of COVID-19? You know, you learn a lot of things. You, In particular, I, I think you learn a lot about how you have to rely on good people in your organization. You can't do it all as a leader. You have to pick where you think you can have the most impact and then find individuals that can help you manage through that. And I relied heavily on associate deans at the time and department chairs who were, you know, very instrumental in helping us through it. Much of my attention had to focus on being external to the school and try to generate resources to get us through that financial crisis and negotiate some operating terms with the University of Utah. And in the meantime, many of our associate deans kept the home front operating in a really productive way. So I think I learned to rely on others to give them the freedom they need to operate and to also create a shared vision with them. How do you navigate through those difficult decisions when people that you trust, people whose advice you've relied on in the past maybe doesn't line up with the bigger vision of the school? Yeah, I think opinions are a gift and you do have to listen to them. And you hope that as you listen, you can adjust the way you view the world according to those opinions. I think it does get tricky at times because ultimately you have to make many decisions as a leader and you have to trust your instincts and the way you're looking at the world and the way you're looking at the data. I think what you hope is that you have good enough relationship with the people that you're working with that you can explain to them why you took a different tact. And I found most of the time that though you may not agree on certain elements at a certain point in time, the people you rely on, you're actually taking their advice and actually doing what they suggest more often than not. all take a little bit of wisdom from that. You mentioned when you were introducing yourself how excited you were to come back to the school after being a student and a professor as a dean. 
What was the silver lining of being Dean that you didn't really anticipate? I think one of the great things that I enjoy is meeting with alumni who had transformational experiences here. I mean, it transformed me. And I didn't realize that there were so many other people that shared that same feeling. And when you talk to them and they talk about a professor that affected them profoundly, or they laugh at something that happened in the school, or they talk about a leadership experience that was provided to them and how it connected them with the right person in the community to get them their first job. I didn't realize the satisfaction that I would actually feel from just hearing those stories and realizing that we're all engaged in a pretty remarkable cause. We absolutely are. How did the school transform you? You know, I like to tell a couple stories in that regard. One was actually an English professor that I took in a general ed class, and uh, he taught me how to write. In fact, the first essay I wrote for him, he gave me an F on and then wrote at the bottom, come see me. And he said, I want you to write this again. So I rewrote the essay and he gave me a D plus the next time. And then they said, come see me. And I rewrote that four times for him. And he finally gave me an A minus. Now that to many, that may seem like a bad experience, but I, I discovered a lot about how I enjoyed communicating via writing. What did that lead to? Well, that led to me deciding to do an honors thesis with a faculty member here at the school. His name was Leroy Fairber, and it was the first original piece of research that I did. It was on a, a system that was put in at a company here in Salt Lake. I did my undergraduate thesis project. I wrote, geez, for me, 250 pages at the time, something like that. It seemed daunting. But those two experiences together gave me actually an eye to consider academics, something I had never done. And so when I got to the Wharton School, I started doing some research with faculty and it turns out the data I gathered in my honors thesis at the University of Utah became my first publication as a faculty member. And all those things put together made me appreciate and understand that I could succeed as an academic. It really came full circle. It did, yeah. All right. I want to take just a quick break to tell you all about an exciting opportunity to hear more from our dean, Taylor Randall. That's right. We are teaming up with the Dean of the Eccles School to bring you the inside scoop in a brand new series of fireside discussions, the Taylor Talks. Hear about new initiatives like the Center for Business, Health, and Prosperity, our world-class learning experiences, and how the Eccles School is making an impact not only just here local in the Utah community, but really across the globe. Join us for this new series featuring our brightest leaders at the school, and of course, everyone's favorite, Dean Randall. The Taylor Talks are coming live to a screen near you. To learn more, visit us at eccles.link slash taylortalks. Again, that's eccles.link slash taylortalks. Let's get back to the show. You mentioned you had a second story. You know, I think the other thing that the school taught me was uh, I got involved in a couple leadership opportunities and I began to understand what you could do as a leader and the influence you could have on an organization. And uh, I would say that 
those experiences that started me down a leadership path probably at least encouraged me to think about being a dean. That's awesome. We are so lucky to have you. Oh, you're too kind. I have to ask, what has the last year been like? Boy, the, the last year has been uh, wrought with uncertainty and, and chaos. We have seen some incredible, I think, stories of and inspirational stories of individuals in our organization reaching out to be creative, to try to help people through. This pandemic's very different than the financial crisis in that for the most part, the financial crisis was indeed financial and we could understand that and parameterize it and understand what we'd need to do in the future. I think the difficulty with this pandemic is we don't know how the virus behaves. We don't know how it affects our classrooms, our student population, our own emotions. I would guess if I were to ask you, have you had emotional swings during the last nine to 10 months? You would say yes. And I have experienced those as well. And then to see that, I think, from the seat uh, of the dean is, is difficult. On a daily basis, you're talking through circumstances and situations with people. And this is one of those crises where the answer isn't the same for everyone. You really have to talk to an individual and just think about counseling a student. Should I take an online class or should I be in person? You have to talk about how they learn best. You have to talk about their fears about the virus, how susceptible they might be if they're in class. And you quickly realize that one answer doesn't fit all. And organizations are good at one answer fits all types of policies. And I think what's been difficult about this crisis is to try to maintain an even hand and try to accommodate the many different concerns that exist. Yeah, it's been an interesting year. You know, one of the key strategic pillars of the school is empathetic global citizenship. And I think many of us have leaned on that throughout the year as a good reminder of the work that we're doing. But when you were working to set the pillars of the school originally, what drew you to that concept? I think I already mentioned the notion of empathy we felt would help as we changed the school internally. But as we reflected further on the notion of empathy, we realized that empathy was probably a key, I don't know if you want to call it virtue or characteristic, that you would need to manage in this day and age. And that quickly led us to attach the word global to it. As we talk to many of the alumni that are managing places like managing in Pepsi and Procter & Gamble, you quickly realize that they deal with a global workforce with viewpoints that are just all over the map. And we thought that empathy would be the key to opening up an individual's understanding of different cultures and different viewpoints on the same problems. And the hope was that that would be something, would be an enduring quality that our students would need to have. Now, of course, as we've seen what's happened in the last nine months with the civil unrest, the shootings, the police violence, that notion of empathetic global citizenship has taken on a new framing and a new idea. But I think that's the beauty of a characteristic or a virtue that's enduring. When a new circumstance arises, you can see how it can be applied and how those same traits can be useful to navigate to difficult circumstances. How have you seen the Eccles community rise up and really take that message of empathetic global citizen to heart? 
Oh, you know, I have in so many different ways. And maybe I can just, you know, name a few. But, you know, when the pandemic hit, even before perhaps some of the social unrest that we've seen, you immediately saw faculty and counselors reach out to students and express that empathy. What can we do to help? I mean, we transitioned from zero classes online to 500 in two weeks. There was so much, I guess, stress and angst in the student body. And yet we had relatively few problems that we couldn't solve. And I think that's a testament to each individual showing that empathy. And then I think when we saw the movement of Black Lives Matter, again, many faculty and staff reached out to students affected and understood what was happening and how their home lives were being changed. And again, accommodated uh, a plethora of circumstances that I think we never would have imagined. As I took a step back, I think you realize that is fundamentally people showing empathy for others. And what's nice as a leader is I didn't have to be out mandating that we should do this and that. I watched it occurring. It gives you a lot of confidence in just our organization and the great people we have at our school. That has to be so reassuring that you're really surrounded by people who are ready to step up. They are. What changes do you hope to see within the Eccles community in the future? So we are on, I think, a rapid path of increasing excellence. And as we do become a better and better school on all metrics, I hope we continue to realize the obligation we have to serve our community and serve the businesses in our community. And we'll always be rooted in Utah and what it brings to us. The reason we are entrepreneurial is because we are here in Utah. The reason we want to impact our world is because we see great Utahns making a big difference in what they do in their community. I would hope at an operational level that we continue to embrace experiential learning. So many of our faculty do a good job of that from the student investment fund to the many centers that we have. Those have been transformational experiences for students. At the same time, I think you see we've seen consistent you know, increases in teaching evaluations and student satisfaction with the experience in the classroom. And so those two things in combination are really quite powerful. I think the other thing that you're beginning to see is that the impact of our research and what we do as, an, as a research institution is dramatic. And we have seen this during the COVID crisis, the Mariner S. Eccles Institute for uh, Economics and Quantitative Analysis has been doing a lot of work for the state of Utah. Nathan Siegert, led by Mac Gollin and MJ Yang, and a PhD student did some impactful work on mask mandates and how they create a triple play. They reduced the spread of COVID, but they also increase two different economic measures. They increase people's confidence to spend and they increase people's mobility in the community. And that that had a big impact on decisions at the state level. So it's research like that that I think will continue to have an impact right now. We have a marketing professor that is working with the Supreme Court of the state of Utah to try to open up access to justice via artificial intelligence. This is uh, Rule Mishra. And I think that will be remarkably impactful uh, work. And so I think what you're seeing increasingly is this institution has reach into the community through its research, through its different centers. I would encourage all of you to look at the Kemsey Gardner 
policy website to see what they do simply within the state of Utah or look at the Sorensen Impact Center and see the incredible work they're doing. They've got a project right now looking at education and education deserts, places that maybe don't have enough access to education. They're doing this for the Gates Foundation. And it's been really pathbreaking work that'll have impact on our society for a long period of time. All right, we're going to take just a quick break to talk about the upcoming You Giving Day. You know, students really are the lifeblood of the Eccles School. Everything that we do is to support the up-and-coming generation of business leaders. Starting on February 23rd at 9 a.m., we'll be raising funds for student scholarships during the annual You Giving Day. Scholarships lift a financial burden for those who might not otherwise pursue higher education and are a vote of confidence for the student's success. The Eccles School can also use scholarships to recruit top talent around the globe. Think back to your first day walking into the Eccles School, stepping foot on campus. You're a little nervous and not quite sure what the next few years have in store for you, but Imagine stepping on campus with the confidence, knowing that a donor, an alumni, somebody out there is cheering for you. Somebody is rooting you on knowing that your education is going to make a difference in the world. And that's something that they want to support. That's just, that's incredible. And I reflect back on my time at the Eccles School, receiving a scholarship those years and how impactful it was not only on my education but on my confidence knowing that I can do it even the hard things because someone out there believes that I can too. With that said we're asking you our Eccles Business Buzz listeners to consider making a donation supporting Eccles students during You Giving Day. You can visit our page at eccles.link slash giving day for more info. Again that's eccles.link slash giving day to inspire the next generation of grads. All right, back to the show. Wow. How have you seen the research benefiting our students? You know, I tell a really simple story of how it benefited me. And this is going to, you know, date me entirely. I I was, I took my first job with Arthur Anderson and I was working in their world headquarters in Chicago and they lined up the 10 newbies and they said, how many of you can use a spreadsheet? And I raised my hand and I was the only one. And it turns out that was because a faculty member had been doing research on a spreadsheets at the time and had introduced that in a, into a course. And I think every student that gets involved with faculty gets that type of knowledge, whether it be a framework that's created through the Goff Strategic Leadership Center, or it's new statistical methods piloted in our MSBA programs, or it's the latest in accounting standards, or the, the latest knowledge about how to invest in, in finance. All of those things are communicated to students in classes. And I think the difference between our school and other schools is they use, other schools use textbooks. And if you look at the back of textbooks, there's citations of where that knowledge came from, but came from us. So you get that knowledge before it reaches the textbook. It's a good place to be. And that's a great value proposition. I think so. How are you encouraging faculty and staff to lead with empathy right now? I think 
the main thing is we've asked individuals to stay close, stay close to students and stay close to the people they work with and communicate with them. And I love the examples that come every day of the Zoom party that where people were able to share how they were feeling or the the meeting in the park where everybody got together. Because I think the interesting thing about empathy is it's really a, something that happens between individuals at a close level. And I think we've just encouraged people to be themselves, to express their feelings on how they're feeling and then try to react. And I've probably at times been more a follower just watching each of you and what you do in our organization. It's been inspiring to me. been inspiring to all of us. Has it been tough to maintain that sense of empathy within our Eccles community? You know, it's so big. And now we've been spread out across the globe. What advice do you have to maintain that sense of empathy when we're all so far away? Oh, I think the nice thing about having a shared value, if you all believe it, it's like meeting an old friend you immediately can fall into conversations that are comfortable. And I would say if we all share that value, it's actually not that hard. I agree. Do you think your message would be the same to students? Yeah, I think students have an incredible opportunity right now to be students of history. And let's hope we don't have another pandemic for another hundred years. We'll keep our fingers crossed. But I, I think they have the ability to look at circumstances and world circumstances and how people are reacting around them and to critique them and to say, what would I adopt? What would I not adopt? How would I position myself and my organization to be better coming out uh, the other end? And that doesn't mean just better financially. It means better human beings, better actors in our spheres of influence. How do we do that? Where there's upheaval and turmoil, there is great opportunity. And I think I would tell students, take advantage of that and learn to learn to take advantage of it. Oh, absolutely. I'd like to jump back just a little bit. You mentioned the Black Lives Matter movement and the impact of that months ago and still today. I think empathy really plays a part in equity. How do you see that playing into the business school right now? I think education in general, and I hope we will learn to do it better than anybody else. We want to put people and give them a platform for the rest of their life. And so in some ways, you you know, to use a coaching analogy is we're here to coach people up, right? We're here to take raw input, people that want to learn and want to be transformed. And our job is to make them successful, regardless of where they come from. And so we've got to meet them where they are. We've got to understand what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are. We've got to understand them and, and where they want to be and create their future for them. That's why I think in this day and age, education is a big answer to the problems that we're having. So we have to make sure it's accessible. We have to make sure that it's kind. We have to make sure that what we do internally is welcoming to everyone. And I think that for me, that means we have to make the pie feel bigger for everyone.
exciting to think about the future of the school. And I just have one last question for you. What does it mean to you to be an alum of the David Eccles School of Business? Well, I hope it means that I belong to a rare group of individuals who lead in their community, who are entrepreneurial in nature, who are always looking to learn, who are having impact on their society, and as we've talked about, are empathetic global citizens. I'm happy to be a part of that community with you. Thanks, Lancia, for all that you do. I remember when you were a student. You were one of our best students. Thanks for deciding to join our organization. We're glad you're here. I'm happy to be here and looking forward to hearing more of those alumni stories you mentioned and what makes our Eccles community so impactful. Thanks for having me today. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Eccles Business Buzz podcast. If you enjoyed the show today, please subscribe using your favorite podcast player and be sure to give us a rating and review. We'd love to send you a copy of the book, Hit Refresh, that Dean Randall mentioned in today's episode. If you'd like to snag a copy for yourself, find us on Instagram at Eccles Alumni and let us know by commenting on our most recent post featuring this episode. But hurry, supplies are limited. You can check out more of our content at eccles.link slash business buzz. Until next time, go Utes.